welcome to The Virtual Shift, a show looking at the seismic changes happening in healthcare with virtual care at the epicenter. Join me and my guests as we look at key cultural and policy shifts impacting how providers, payers, and patients connect, as well as how care is being reimagined both for today and the future. Hello, and thanks for tuning in today. I'm your host, Tom Foley. You can learn more about this show by visiting the program on healthcarenowradio.com, and be sure to follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, at FoleyTom and the hashtag, the virtual shift. Today, we have a very special guest joining us, Matthew Dunleavy from Sectorium Health. Matthew, welcome to the program. Thanks, Tom, for having me. Uh, pleasure to be on and uh, looking forward to our conversation on the virtual shift. Awesome. Matthew, so you're one of the partners at, at Sectorium Health. What I like about what you guys do is you look at it, you're not a technology company, you're a consulting company. Is that fair to say? That's a that's a that's a fair uh, assumption. We're we're principally a consulting company, and our vision is to build a network of products and services um, that streamline and condense the continuum of care for patients and physicians alike. That's our. So, job. so we we got introduced just for full transparency because uh, GeneMD works with Sectorium on a couple of different uh, opportunities. And what I like about what you guys do is you look at the performance of a health system and or a delivery of care model within a uh, within a practice. And you look and so you look at it both from a financial perspective and a clinical perspective, and you ultimately try to tease out what is it uh, that could be done better. Is, can, tell us a little bit more about what you do and how you approach business. Certainly. Um, you're kind of touching on a topic that I like to call uh, clinical revenue repair or clinically based revenue repair. Um, so like I said, we're in the business of, of building networks um, of products and services, and we do that by taking an agnostic approach to care. So um, whether you're using an RPM service like GeneMD or you are employing a particular type of Holter monitor, whatever it may be, we're looking at a variety of these products and trying to figure out if there are synergies that we can create um, that ultimately add value to our customers through this network of services. So when we're talking about revenue repair and one angle that we look at is this clinical revenue repair, um, I, my background is in cardiology. So if you think about a non-interventional patient walking into a cardiac clinic, their price tags around $3,000 over the lifetime of that patient. And on average, a practice is only capturing between five to 10% of that price tag. So this creates some obvious discrepancies. In my mind, there are three big ones. The first is that there's a discrepancy in the coverage of the patient. The patient's paying for a lot of unnecessary and unused services that aren't being taken advantage by the practice. Um, consequently, that leads to a discrepancy in billing, and ultimately it leads to a discrepancy in actionable information for the patient. And being uh, a part of GeneMD like you are, Tom, I, you, you know all about the importance of actionable information for the physician and filtering through what is important and what is not for, for the patient. So, so we look at this workflow and try and find ways for the practice and for the physician to capture more value across the continuum of care for that patient, while at the same time delivering a better patient experience. Better patient experience. So that is certainly uh, something that has been talked about for the last uh, 14 years that I've been in health IT. So uh, interesting that you call that out. 
so so you come into a practice practice or health large health system uh and you look at it financially and you say hey you know and the practice says, hey, I, I already have uh, RPM and I already and I'm already servicing 3000 patients on that uh, that platform. Uh, but you ultimately dig deeper because that's, quite frankly, not enough. And, you know, a lot of RPM companies come at it and say, hey, you can make a lot of money with RPM. Right. Forget mm-hmm. about whether the mm-hmm. patient gets better. You can make a lot of money. Right. And Absolutely. but, you know, they're. But you got to look under the covers and and be realistic about it in that because, again, a lot of the pricing models and you can get really get caught short relative to how effective your program is. For instance, as you know, you know, I think there was one account uh, where, you know, the 30 percent of the devices die in within 90 days. Right. That's mm-hmm, a lot mm-hmm. of churn. Right. 10% of the devices de- are dead on arrival, right? That's a lot of churn. I'm going to have a cardiac arrest just on that particular <laughs> Put me in a remote patient monitoring program. All right. Yeah, so yeah. Um, there's, so, there's a lot to look at outside of the superficial yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so talk to us more about that. What, what do you, what type of, uh, what type of feedback do you get from providers that says, Hey, I want to, I want to look under the covers and, see you know see what's we'll see how effective you really are yeah and uh in the service yeah you you bring up an interesting point here what is the physicians what are the physicians questions and what are the what are the questions of the practice when we approach them for our services whether it's rpm or it's a home monitoring solution or um, digital health management software whatever it may be i've noticed personally and you you probably have experienced this as well being in, in medical sales Oftentimes, it's not that the physicians don't know um, what's out there. It's that they really just don't have time to vet and to screen all of these hundreds of different providers out there. And that's kind of where we step in as a a trusted consultant, effectively, um, doing the due diligence and looking over hundreds of different providers and figuring out who we want to partner with to um, bring to our clients. And um, obviously, you know, we think GenieMD is a fantastic platform platform for RPM, for chronic care management, and um, even telehealth as well. And the question that a lot of physicians ask is, well, you know, I'm generating X amount per month off of my patients for RPM. And they kind of leave the conversation there. They're, they're happy with that if they already have an RPM program, which uh, is the topic of, of this current discussion. I'm kind of have to, I have to kind of step back and say, okay, let's, let's, dive a little deeper here. Uh, I realize you're getting X per patient, but what does your model actually look like? And have you examined it further? Because like I mentioned, oftentimes physicians just don't have the time to think through all of the nuances of these diagnostic programs. And so they see what looks attractive to them, they employ it, and they think, hey, this is as good as life gets. When in reality, there's so many extra layers you can go into. On the RPM side, for example, cost savings is a massive, massive benefit to RPM and physicians and even practices really don't even understand how much they're saving with an RPM program or what is an effective benchmark for um, savings. Uh, Another example would be HCC coding for HMO groups or value-based care. There's so many implications that RPM can provide uh, and and RPM is just one aspect of of Sectorum Health that that we offer our, our clients. 
but there's so many other layers that you can dive deeper in uh, and, and really help move the needle, if you will, um, for these practices to grow their, their revenue and have a more efficient diagnostic model. So you, you're engaging the, the, the provider in uh, some really good quality discussions around their financial models as well as their uh, delivery of care models. Because I'm sure you run into a lot of physicians that say, hey, I got a remote patient monitoring program. Hey, I got a chronic care management program. I don't need you. But mm -hmm. in reality, it never hurts, frankly, to take a quick look under the covers to see whether or not uh, there's, more, there's, there's more to the story. One of the scenarios that I know we've talked about a lot in the past is, you know, a remote patient monitoring platform, you know, being, uh, let's just say, 70% effective on getting those 16 vitals, right, mm -hmm. uh, or, or vital measure on 16 unique days within a third-day period, right? Uh, not achieving that is a lot of money left on the table, one. But two, you're not managing the effectiveness of of one's wellness as 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 good as you could if you if you were in the 90, 95 percent uh, tile of of that measure. Is, is that what what what? How do you approach that with with a with a provider to get them to understand that? You know, not all RPM platforms and services are the same. Yeah, I think this is a great question, and it's kind of a multifaceted answer, if you will. There's there's a lot of angles here. Um, the first is obviously the RPM company itself, and, and we can talk at nauseum about the different features and pros and cons of a variety of different companies and how they approach their finances, for example, or their supply chain, or how they're implementing the actual monitoring services. I think the more important discussion is around the patient experience. And if we look at an RPM company, um, say for example, a hospital or a, a practice has 10,000 patients on RPM, and this RPM company is not integrated into their electronic health records or into their EMR, then maybe they're getting those 16 readings every month and maybe they're achieving even 70, 80% compliance if that data isn't being utilized effectively, um, you're just you're just kind of paying for uh, uh, getting 16 readings, right? The the monitoring doesn't serve a purpose unless that data becomes actionable for the practice. But if that data is siloed, then it becomes even more problematic to diagnose or treat this patient further on after the RPM process. And you'd be surprised how our kicks, and I'm actually, you know how our kicks, these practices can be. They're literally basically copying and pasting and almost printing, scanning, and then uploading all of this information to their EMR so that the information can be carried on from one provider to the next. Uh, and that's really what providing a, a streamlined continuum of care looks like, is not only providing an excellent service on an RPM front or a CCM front, uh, the chronic care management side, it's also, um, integrating all of this data as we shift into the virtual world and move away from in-office visits and, and, and clinic visits to, I want to interface with my physician um, over the portal, or I want to provide my diagnostics to this practice online. Um, making sure that that data is being transferred across um, providers is, I think, the most important for the patient experience. And that's ultimately what I think a good 
RPM provider is doing or any company um, that's moving into this virtual world should be focused on. Yeah, the interoperability, I think you're hitting on a very uh, important topic in the context of the overall RPM, right? Because it's not just the platform itself. It's not just about measures on uh, or a measure on 16 unique days in a 30 day period. It, and and it's not about the engagement sometimes. It, it's It's more than that, right? So to your point, interoperability, both from a device perspective into the platform, as well as the platform into the EHR, so it's an end-to-end ecosystem is very, very critical. Uh, otherwise, mm-hmm. you're to your point, you're going to create data silos, and I think this is really where the industry continues to struggle. Uh, we we have had several scenarios where you know we want to integrate with the EHR, and, and to some degree, the EHR just make it very costly to do that or very difficult to do that in a in a time effective manner uh, because they're uh, someone is poaching if you will into their territory uh, and feeling like uh, their account is being stolen from them so it's it becomes a very very difficult play uh, in making sure that you have that uh, that and in ecosystem how, how do how does sectorium come about that right you that's a huge challenge yeah you, know, you got to have uh you you you're indicating that you're building a network of uh of partners that can uh, that can help affect that and and uh ecosystem tell us a little bit more about that yeah and before i answer that question i want to i want to touch on something you mentioned earlier which is the diversity of this this market that we're in it's just exploded over the last three to four years when it comes to telemedicine, um, especially in the wake of COVID. It's incredible. And unfortunately, there seems to be this divergence of data when there needs to be a convergence of diagnostics that there need, or diagnosis, if you will. I, I personally believe there needs to be more of a standardized plan of diagnosis in order to create a personalized treatment plan. And so the way in which Sectorum approaches this problem is by building the network pre-integrated, if you will. So in order to become a partner with Sectorum, we're, we're vetting all of these different groups and we're asking the question, how do you integrate? We're asking ourselves the question, how would this company integrate with our existing uh, line of services? And then we ask the question to the provider as well. What are you gonna do to integrate with our solution? Because a physician, like I mentioned, they're, they're very busy, as you know. And at some point or another, someone like myself or you will come along and sell them some type of product or service and promise that it's going to enhance an aspect of their practice. And I'm sure it does. But over time, as they accumulate more and more of these products, they're left with this discordant list of services that they need to now log into eight different portals to access just one bit of data. And so instead of condensing the physician's day-to-day, it ends up ultimately expanding their day-to-day. And when we come in with our service, whether or not a physician wants to employ the entire bag of products that generates value for the entire continuum of care, or they just want to pick one, one item out of the bag, um, however many they pick, all of our suppliers and our, our, our partners, if you will, have worked together to make sure that one, they can integrate at a baseline level with uh, an EMR 
but also that they integrate with one another. And that's where those synergies come up, like I mentioned in this in this network. Yeah, I mean, that, that is a tough. I've, uh, I've, again, been in this interoperability space uh, for quite a while, whether it's be, been through direct messaging, the HISP, HIEs. Uh, I've always said, technically, we don't have an interoperability problem. Uh, what we have is a lack of ability to understand each other and willingness to establish mm-hmm. that interoperability. And you, and you take the yeah, uh, Sectorian uh, takes the uh, tears down the walls on that particular front because that's a mandate, right? Yeah, and you're you're absolutely right that it's not a lack of capability; it's more of a lack of will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and yeah. you know, and then the half the industry still has their walls up. Uh, notably, most EHRs, frankly, uh, there are some EHRs that are very good at interoperability and being open and and, and things of that nature, but uh, it is it is it is still a challenge, and 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 to the point, you know, a physician isn't the one that uh, that can uh, wrestle that down. They're not interoperability specialists. They have to have a lot of trust with the people that they're bringing in to say, okay, I this is what I want, and this is what I'm expecting you to deliver, and then be able to have that trust to that it's going to get there at the end of the day without a lot of churn and, and drama and and other aspects that don't impact the overall effectiveness of the business, both clinically and financially. Thoughts on that? No, I, I think um, the question, um, that, or the elephant in the room, I should say, is really who's owning the data, because that's what's making this question of connectedness so challenging. Which of these companies is going to own the data for this patient? Um, obviously, the patient owns the data, but where is the data being housed? Who's storing it? Um, and, I, and there's a entire discussion we can have on ethics around this around this point here. But I think that's what makes this so challenging. And to be entirely honest, I don't think we have a good solution yet at Sectorum. Um, what we've done is effectively um, brought the partners together, uh, all of the different suppliers that we have, and say, look, you're gonna all have visibility of this patient at one point or another along this process. And um, for the most part, by integrating with one solution or another, you're not really giving up any of your control over the data that you're already managing. It's more so about creating some connectedness uh, across your pipeline, if you will. You know, uh, I have to go back many years when I first met the founder of Cerner. And I was invited to their user group conference, and he was on stage, and he was talking about whether his company was a technology company or a healthcare company. Mm. And I just uh, believed so much in what he was saying, and that uh, you know we are. If you're in healthcare, you can't be a technology company. Mm. Your 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 fundamentals might be technology, but your your passion has to be delivery of care and mm. and outcomes and if you're not there then it, it might you might be in the wrong business because at the end of the day everything we do is about the patient and if we get it wrong uh the the patient is the one that always suffers uh whether they know it or not uh, th- uh that you know how, how things uh transpire there's a lot of scenarios where, you know, the interoperability has failed the patient and we just can't and we just have to have a 
a zero tolerance on on that aspect of the uh, of the overall solution. Thoughts on that? No, I think you're you're absolutely right. When there is a lack of interoperability, the patient suffers. I think I think a great example of this is is if a patient comes in to uh, visit a cardiologist because they've got some murmur or palpitations. Um, I'm just going to speed forward in the diagnosis and say that they've got some type of uh, atrial tachycardia. In other words, a, a hard to diagnose irregular heartbeat. A provider might put them on a Holter or a cardiac event monitor to see what's going on with this patient. And it turns out the cardiac event monitor is negative. They couldn't pick anything up. So what happens in the status quo? The status quo, oftentimes the physician will say, all right, come back in when you've when you've got when you've got something else, so the, the the downside here is that the patient loses touch with the with the practice, and the practice loses touch with the patient. Obviously, conversely, uh, and the bigger problem is that, speaking from a, a clinical revenue repair perspective, the onus is now on the patient to come back in to create revenue for that practice. But it's also the ownership is back on the patient to even come in and be engaged with a with a provider where they feel that they've kind of been lost. And so yeah. what we do at Sectorum is we say, instead of coming off that cardiac event monitor and going home, why don't we put you on an RPM? Why don't we monitor you for the sake of figuring out what this is? Because that does several things. Obviously, it, first and most importantly, it makes the patient feel cared for. Um, you know, it's, it's ironic that we can be exposed to so much. We, we live in a uh, world revolving around patient care, but so often patients actually don't feel cared for. Um, and so that's true. That's really where I think RPM can make a, make a huge impact. So if, if these patients, instead of coming off cardiac event monitor and going home, um, left to their own devices, they're put onto an RPM program in continuation of that initial diagnostic, then now you're bringing the patient back into the practice. You're extending the cycle of data for your, for your practice and, and creating an actionable event when that arrhythmia does come up for the patient. And in that way, the patient is directly benefited from this enhanced workflow. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. The, um, the, this is where I think uh, healthcare is, is partially broken, not to sound overly negative here, but, um, you know. And on the high note. Yeah. But the point is, is that the, uh, the patient does have a problem. It, 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 you know, you, you take all the time, you wait to 23, the average of 23 days to go see a specialist and, you know, you can't find anything in, in that 20 minute segment that you're in front of the doctor. And so, uh, so you go home and it happens again and wait another 23 days to blow it out of proportion. So at being able to do, you know, that, that wellness at home, that health at home, you know, healthcare anywhere type of model. That's really where what RPM is all about. To your point, is let's let's extend the delivery of care outside my brick and mortar. Let's put some uh, some leverage some technology that can monitor you in your home, in the comfort of your home, or wherever you might be, and uh, and 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 alert the uh, physician uh, appropriately when when an event occurs, so that we can capture it uh, and then help further diagnose the problem and get you on a path to wellness again. Absolutely. So. And this ubiquitous model is exactly why um, we were so attracted to RPM, to chronic care management, to RTM from, from our perspective at Sectorum. Why I think in the shift to uh, virtual care, we yeah. needed uh, a ubiquitous care model like RPM. And so it was really a, a no-brainer for us. And it's it's been a 
tremendous impact. Um, we've seen a huge impact for our physicians that we've approached on this, um, and they, they see the value, they see the benefit, um, and we're looking forward to delivering this to, to more patients. And and that is the the exciting opportunity here is that the doctors, uh, physicians, uh, and health systems are really starting to engage in this new delivery of care of uh, of a healthcare anywhere at any time uh, mm-hmm. type of model and leveraging the uh, the services of Sectorium and their partner network to affect that model. And ultimately uh, engage and 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 ultimately work towards uh, getting that patient uh, stabilized and 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 on a path to wellness uh, more effectively than otherwise. Um, uh, I'll give you uh, the last word. No, I think you're absolutely right. And there are <laughs> one of the things that gets me so excited about this space, particularly RPM, is that there's there's three players in my mind that are needed to move the needle. Um, and that is obviously the patients, the providers, and the payers. And for the first time that I can recall, all three of those entities are lock and step with one another post-COVID. You have a, a massive awareness of virtual care through COVID, so patients are aware of it. Um, the physicians see the benefits, obviously. And if you you know lick your finger and put it up in the air, you can see, okay, payers are also moving in this direction as well. So it's a very exciting space to be in, and, and we're excited to be partnering with GeneMD. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, I might add a fourth P to that, and that's pharmaceuticals. So absolutely. Uh, so Matthew uh, Dunleavy, partner at Setorium Health, you guys are doing some great stuff, engaging the market in a much different way uh, and, and, and bringing uh, solutions to the table that make a real difference. Uh, I want to thank you for your time uh, joining the, uh, the virtual shift. And uh, I believe uh, folks can go to sectoriumhealth.com, S-E-C-T-O-R-U-M, health.com, for additional information. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Tom. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I want to thank the show sponsors. HP, HP Engage Long Life Cycle Products provides the stability, safety, and security you need, plus flexibility and performance designed for today and tomorrow. As well, GeneMD providing a modular, scalable, and customizable virtual care platform and clinical services to help providers extend care into the home, increasing access and quality while driving new revenue opportunities. If you missed part of today's episode, you can tune in at the same time, 11 a.m. or 7 p.m. Eastern, throughout the week, and be sure to check out the program page on healthcarenowradio.com. And remember, connect or follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, at FoleyTom, And follow the show's hashtag, The Virtual Shift. I'm Tom Foley. Until the next show.